Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Lee here for Welcome to Horror. Just want to give you a bit of information about this evening's episode. It may well come across as a little bit disjointed. The reason for that is that we've actually been struck by the curse of the omen. We've been recording separately for a year now, as uh, our regular listeners are aware, uh, due to COVID primarily, but before that for a few months due to time constraints. We've had no problems with our recording in that time. But this episode, my internet refused to stay up for longer than about 15 minutes at a time. And on top of that, the third-party online software that we use to record the episode, and we have been for the last uh, six or seven episodes, I believe, uh, also just completely gave up on us. It booted us out three times, and it also switched itself off at one point and didn't let us know that it wasn't recording. So as a result, the episode is a bit of a hodgepodge of different parts that we've had kind of glued together. Uh, we didn't want to go back and completely redo the episode because it always feels a bit staged if you try and redo an episode word for word or verbatim. Uh, so instead, we've just tried to put this together as best we can. Uh, we hope it doesn't affect your enjoyment of the episode. And thanks very much for listening. Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. And we are here for episode 103, I believe, if I'm keeping count correctly, uh, of Welcome to Horror podcast. Yeah, we are racking them up. We certainly are. Um, and this evening we are covering a one of the classics most well-known, I think, of kind of not quite contemporary, but of that when we were growing up, it was certainly one of the kind of big five it, it was in line with the exorcist for me at the time yeah you know, it yeah. seemed like one of the big they're often mentioned in watch. the same breath mm. yeah i think because of the religious connotation i, I was gonna say yeah and, i'll talk and, about that and creepy kids and yeah, yeah. <laughs> kids are always creepy um <laughs> So a uh, quick bit of news before we uh, kick off. Some good news that I'm sure you guys will be as pleased to hear as I was. Uh, last weekend, I was messaging on Instagram with Kim from the Oblong Babysitter. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, and found out, uh, despite the fact they've been on hiatus for a year, um, they've actually been recording episodes all the way through lockdown. Um, oh, so so we're, they we're, are... Sorry? So we do a bundle then? Yes. Yes. Nice. So they've, they've got a load ready and waiting and they're going to start in the new year and start rolling those out. So uh, I thought it's, uh, I thought I'd let people know. Anybody who hasn't listened to The Oblong Babysitter, um, it's uh, two girls from the UK covering things they watched when they were kids, effectively. Uh, it's two sisters, so they grew up in the same house and watched the same stuff. Uh, and a lot of it is things that we watch and have touched on mm. Tales of the Unexpected, yeah. Ghost Watch. They did a two-part um, Nigel Neal. Um, yeah. yeah, so they cover a lot of the same stuff as us. So uh, add them into your list and uh, look out for them coming back next year. Yeah, no, they're always they're always worth a listen. They also started doing their Disney one, didn't they? Yes, yes. So that was uh, which was good as well. So yes, 
Absolutely. I'm very looking forward to it. They were going to, I think the last one they were going to release before they um, sort of disappeared for a while was they were going to do the Hammer House of Horror TV show. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, which I absolutely love. So I was really looking forward to that. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, no pressure, girls. I've only been waiting for it for a year. So I'm sure <laughs> I won't have built up expectation too much in that. Time. <laughs> um, so on that note, Chris, what have you been watching in the last seven days? I have been watching. Oh, so excuse me. I've just got to return some videotapes and, <laughs> and feed a stray cat into an ATM machine. <laughs> I'm, assuming, down then. <laughs> I'm assuming by the laughter you do know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I didn't doubt that you would. But, um, <laughs> it's, it's funny. I think I had mentioned before that this was the first DVD that I ever bought. And I think, really? yeah. And I think I, I own this and one other one. I can't actually remember what it was. And that was it, just two for ages. I didn't have any more. And I, so I must have watched this so many times. Um, and for I, anyone who doesn't know, Chris, do you want to let them know what it was? Who <laughs> I'm sure everybody listening knows, but it's American <laughs> Psycho. And, and like, I, I really liked it, but I do now realise that I absolutely mixed up Christian Bale with Patrick Bateman, as in... I could not view Christian Bauer as not being him at all. And and that that like it really put me off and I, d- I didn't watch any of his Batman films like for ages. And the only reason I watched one was when I realised it was Christopher Nolan that had <laughs> uh, I don't know if he wrote it but directed it. Hmm. Um yeah, but so uh yeah, it was just so hard not to picture him like that. But I I think he did a great job in this. I do really like him that, throughout. That- that's probably the point is that mm. you couldn't separate the two because he is just brilliant in that. Mm. Yeah. But but if you think about it, it's also a pretty good training for certainly playing Bruce Wayne. Mm. Yeah. Of, you know, a rich nutter. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> but I mean it's no, it's a fantastic fantastic film that is. I think um, me and Claire watched it not lot that long ago. Oh yeah, um, and it was like Claire's first time, and she really, mm. yeah, just really enjoyed it. And it is so fucking funny. Yeah, it's just yeah. <laughs> it is basically a black comedy, isn't it? Really about a mm. about a, you know a sociopath serial killer. Um, yeah, yeah, his descent well, into about uh, just about an arsehole. <laughs> I think but, I think this is one of those again, it's one of those things where loads of people um uh certainly like the novel, like the Brett e- Brett Easton Ellis novel, loads of people kind of associated him with Patrick Bateman. <laughs> so, and it was like it is possible to write about someone and not think like them. <laughs> you know, yeah. so but um yeah, I think it again that was like a lot of flack went his way where people think it's like no i think it is meant to be the character not necessarily him <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't think any of this behavior is acceptable <laughs> yeah he's not you know if anything he's probably trying to highlight how it's not so you know no but, yeah no terrific film mm. uh anything else chris yeah Finished Brave New World, which I really liked. And actually, the last episode was moving into horror-esque. It, it just it descends into 
you know chaos um, there is there is that sort of element to it yeah yeah and it was you know like i think it suddenly shocked shelly a little bit um but you know it was, it was all right but I, I did look it up afterwards and i, I saw i think anybody that had read the novel and really liked the novel probably wasn't so keen on this um whereas not having read it just having you know the idea of the concepts i i thought there was a lot in it that they did touch on um it seems what upset people were all the orgy scenes which i didn't hate them you know i, I can handle an orgy scene but i i didn't i didn't think they were as overdone as some people thought like they were there and they were that side of it they were you know yeah but that is i mean i i wonder if it's people who are forgetting that again going back to the book where it's like you know that the stuff's in there yeah but most people would probably not but people notice that so much you know what i mean it's not when you see it live like you notice it a lot more there well there is a difference it's the difference it's like well it's the difference between reading he shot him in the head to watching yeah. someone get <laughs> shot in the head. Yeah. You know, and there's probably hundreds of people who can read the book fine and then they watch the film and go, Ooh, and that, that, yeah. That yeah, was, absolutely. That was in the fucking book, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, you know, I thought it really touched on, on everything and, and I liked the, the cast as well. Um, yeah, I, I, just, I did enjoy it. So I I, really... uh, it seems like they're not continuing it though, apparently. They may not be if, because uh, I mean, uh, I do. I trust Grant Morrison, but I also know he would probably be aware of. Maybe they just want to do the adaption rather than drag it out, because mm. I know that's what a lot of people. Funny enough, it was something that came up on Oblong Babysitter about um, the Handmaid's Tale, mm. where in essence the first series of the Handmaid's Tale was the book, with with an alteration to the ending. And then after that, they've kind of expanded and like made Game of Thrones more, did as essentially, well. Yeah, essentially mm. made more story. Um, yeah. To the point where actually Margaret Atwood, who wrote the original, has released mm. a sort of sequel book. Okay. Since but since the series has been on, because I think she's one of the executive producers as well. So I mean, you know, it's not they've got the originator there. Mm. Certainly at least pitching in, if not sort of devising the next bit so it's as, it's as true as it can be it's not like making up new Sherlock Holmes stories because mm. you know Arthur Conan Doyle is not going to be able to help yeah. you so, um, but I think yeah the end of Brave New World it, they left it as if it should carry on there's quite a few questions and mm. it looks like it's set up ready for another season but I guess we'll okay. see nice um, Adam what have you seen in the last week well, I finally managed to get my hands because they've brought out uh, BFI have brought out a Blu-ray um, of Tales from the Hood. Oh yeah, which, which I never saw the first time round, and it's fucking great. It's really <laughs> fucking good. It's it's in that. It's weirdly enough, it's basically. It almost is this, a similar premise to the Mortuary Collection. Mm. And, you know, because the wraparound story is this gang break into a funeral home because they've heard they've got some good drugs there. And, um, but yeah, and then you get the four, you get the four stories. 
it's again it's an anthology so immediately i'm sold mm. but it's very much in because it's sort of early 90s or sort of mid 90s it's very much in the same sort of molders creep show where it's that thing of you know like the stories are all like an ec comics thing where it's like set up and punishment as it were yeah you know it's it's transgressions and stuff like that and you know um i mean still absolutely fucking relevant because it's like you've got police corruption political endemic racism and stuff like that but it's just genuinely a a cracking good anthology film it's well if you've not seen it it's well worth a fucking watch um so i and uh, the blu-ray is actually uh one and two so i will oh, be watching so i will be watching two because apparently two is it's the same creative team so it's not just that thing of they've followed it you know someone yeah. else has followed on with the franchise it's the same uh director and writer uh like writer director and yeah. um yeah, no, I just it was just fucking great, and it's and it's that same sort of thing that you get with Creepshow, where it's a it's funny as well as dark and sort of you know. Um, but yeah, Tales from Tales from the Hood is just fucking great. I really enjoyed it, and it was just I'm looking. I'm definitely looking forward to watching. The second one. Second one's got Keith David in it as well, so immediately I'm happy. Nice. Um, and um, yeah, I really, really recommend it because I think it's a good example, an, another good, yet yeah, another good example of an anthology horror film. Uh, Claire was saying, "Are there are there many like that?" Because I quite like it. And I was like, "Oh, you've no idea." <laughs> Someone's so, getting the Amicus box set for Christmas. That's the that's the floodgates opened, <laughs> especially because. In the end, I was like, oh, yeah, and there's that one, and there's that one. And then I sort of quietly thought, I'm going to Google horror anthology films. And I was going, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Oh, that one's good. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, so. Um, the majority of the Amicus ones are all on YouTube. I mean, yes. I'm sure you probably own them anyway. Um, I've got, yeah, I've got the I think I've, I think I've got most of them. Um, mostly on DVD as well. I think it was rather than I haven't upgraded anything, so. Yeah, but, but um, yeah. I mean, this is if if again it was like when Claire said, "Oh, I really like Vincent Price." You know, I'm Have you other movies of his? I have a few. <laughs> so you know, and similarly, you know, do you, I like anthology films. Oh, you've really dug your own grave there, mate. Because <laughs> we could wallpaper the house in them. So, <laughs> Excellent. And that's all the weather. Excellent. Um, I have, as I said, I've been reading a lot during uh, my furlough time um, mm -hmm. and I've had a week off from reading. So just to give you an idea of how much time I've spent reading, this is what I've watched in the last seven days. Um, following last week's episode, when we talked about uh, Barbara Steele, I mm -hmm. finally watched Piranha. Oh, the very original. Yeah, the Joe Dante one. Yeah. My brother bought it for me for Christmas a few years ago on Blu-ray, and I hadn't quite gotten round to watching it yet. Um, yeah, and I finally watched it last weekend. It was good fun. It is. Um, I think it. I think it's the perfect to be. I know this is going to sound like I'm knocking it. I kind of am, but I'm not. Um, 
like as much as we go on about how films shouldn't be remade, this was a film that needed remaking because the plot was great, but it just needed to be done now that the effects are there and they can give it a bit more punch and a bit more pizzazz. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love Piranha 3D, um, but yeah, having oh, gone back and watched the original Piranha, yeah, I thought this was a perfect film to have remade for that reason. Great concepts and just needed... It needed to be done at a time when they could actually make it look more believable. I think, um, yeah, but then I still think that that's the thing is that the 3D one did still keep the 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 sort of hokey fun, yeah, of it. In the yeah, the the effects were improved, but it was still this bloody silly. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, it wasn't um, sort of like you know they didn't decide to do like Dark Knight Rises with it. Yeah, <laughs> no, it didn't become very serious. It definitely this is the gritty, out. hard-edged version. <laughs> um, I also, following last week's episode, as I promised, I was going to do uh, in the clo- in the dying moments of last week's episode. Uh, I went and watched the Blood Beast Terror. Um, oh yes, I didn't watch it the next night. I didn't watch <laughs> it that night. Sorry, I waited and watched it the next night because Lady Jennifer wanted to watch it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was brilliant. She said it was a load of old crap, and it, she was not, not surprised that we'd never heard of it before. Um, <laughs> what, is that? what did she not like? So how we both had such diametrically <laughs> opposed ideas from the same film. Um, it, it's one of the... People say a lot about Hammer, that it was done tongue-in-cheek and it was supposed to be funny, and I disagree majoritively um, that this one was hard to take seriously. But I loved I think, it. I think, again, it's one of those things where... To a certain extent, you're making a film about a wehrmoth. Yeah. And that's, yeah. <laughs> it's a push. It is a push. It is a um, push. But yeah, I, I thought it was great. Totally yeah. campy and stupid. It looked beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it had ludicrous bit. The bit when they're supposed to be in the Amazon. And I was like, that is the Thames estuary. Yeah. It's like, it's, just, <laughs> it's a horrible grey day. But they've got two men... Two big black men in grass skirts in a canoe going down this muddy, dirty river yeah, somewhere, trying I to convince you it's the end. Yeah, <laughs> just a bloke with a butterfly net, and then a red London bus goes past him. <laughs> yeah, someone says it's usually. Do you know the way to Tooting? Shut up! I'm trying to film a fucking do a film here. Uh, no, yes, it, it, it is. It is. It is an exceedingly silly fucking film. But yeah, and I mean, obviously Peter Cushing's great in it, and uh, oh, and obviously you've now seen the bit with the butler arguing with the vulture, which yes. is just fucking brilliant. How many times have I told you? But he bit me. Yeah, <laughs> you were poking him with a stick. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Um, next one on the list was another recommend from you, Adam. You've been telling me about for ages. I finally got around to watching Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Oh, yes. Fucking hell, that's a good film. Yes. So, it's on YouTube again. It's That's yeah. why I watched Blood Beast Terror and on the side, all the stuff that's yet to come up, Kolchak was on there. I was like, well, Adam's been going on about that for ages. And it has got uh, the dad from A Christmas Story. So I'm going to give it a go. Um, Oh, it was just brilliant. So, so good. Yeah. That's and definitely one that I'm that's definitely one I'm showing to Claire because it's basically Columbo does the X Files. Yeah. 
totally and it's yeah. that beautiful 70s vegas back when everything was like it was still all the old 70s signs before they dragged all them down and replaced them with all the big crazy shit we've got now, where it was basically just lightless signs with lots of lights but they yeah. were big as a five-story building it's just lunacy i can't remember what it was i was watching but there was something or i was listening to i can't remember but it was something where someone was saying that the trouble is with vegas now is it's trying to be classy yeah and it's like no that's not what people want from vegas you know that that their tourist board should be run by john walters yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Sure. So, you know, he would. He would get it. He. He would know. Know what pe people want. The camp. Because it was like someone saying they went to the the. What is it? Luxor or what? The yeah. pyramids one. And yeah. they said, "Oh no, it's not. It's no longer a guy greets you dressed as Tutankhamun and, and there's like stuff like mummies walking around or whatever like that." They've sort of like, "Oh no, no, come on, no, no, we're a serious business. It's classy. Let's have a touch of class." No, don't. No, it was this was the reason people wanted to come. So, uh, Bobby will tell you when we were over there, we did like we went in a lot of the new hotels and stuff around where we were because we were in the Flamingo. Um, mm. And as you say, all that's been classed up at that end of the strip. But the best time we had was when we all walked all the way up to Circus Circus because that's not been touched since 1972. Nice. Like, and it's just dirty and filthy and it still stinks of cigarette smoke. Um, <laughs> And like, yeah, it just looks tacky and terrible. And slots of fun was right next door, which is just oh, it yeah, it's it's the super tacky bit. So it's still there if you know where to find it. Um, mm. Where did we find it? <laughs> um, so that was excellent. Um, in prep for today, I also went and watched. I was looking through David Warner's back catalogue mm -hmm. and discovered that he did a film for Canon where they did Ca uh, Hansel and Gretel. Oh, I did not know that. What's it called? It's, it's got too many songs in it, but the whole thing's on YouTube. Um, yeah, and David Warner's brilliant in it, and the kids are pretty good. One of them turned into a long-time actress in EastEnders. It's all I know her from from the 90s. Oh, right. Um, uh, yeah, and the witch is like the witch is pretty good. She looks like a little haggard old woman, but when she turns into the witch, she's got like big crazy hair and a stupidly big nose, and it's just yeah, it was really good. I thought I really enjoyed it for a for a kids thing. And what's really called just it. Hansel and Gretel, or is it yeah. just called Hansel and Gretel? Oh, it's, right. Yeah, it's just called Hansel and Gretel. But yeah, as I say, it was made by Canon, so I was like, right, well, I need to watch <laughs> that because it's going to be mental. Yeah, um, and I was not disappointed. Uh, so on to this evening's main event. Um, Chris, is this the first time that you've seen The Omen? Yes, it is. I'd heard of it. I'd heard of it a lot at the time, similar to The Exorcist. Um, but I just thought, you know, I, it definitely sounds like something I would want to watch. But there's a lot of other films that come up and that just never quite came up. And it has now, thanks to Adam. Well done, Adam. I'm afraid that this is this is certainly um, a few years back. Certainly, that would almost be de rigueur. It'd be like, oh, he's talking about fucking omen again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I've got to admit, not wishing to be controversial, um, but I think the reason it's taken us this long to to do this film, I don't much care for it. I thought it might be one that. 
I maybe didn't remember enjoying so much. And when I watched it again, I'd enjoy it more, which seems to be something that happens quite frequently. Um, but no, I, didn't. I find this film a bit of a chore to get through. I'm not going to lie. And I don't know why. I don't know what it is about it. It's not badly paced. It's got a great script. It's got a fantastic cast. It's got a really good story. It's got all the elements I love. Just don't enjoy it. Maybe it's maybe there's just something there that's just not for yourself. Yeah, you know, I, just, I, I can't work it out. I mean, my, um, I mean, I, I've always said that I prefer it to The Exorcist, and I mean, this is mm-hmm. the first time. This is the first time I've seen it in because actually that was something that came up. Is it's the first time I've seen it certainly since the second series of Brian Perm, uh, because. Uh, at the end of every series of Brian Perm, if you don't know, Brian Perm was um, Simon Day from The Far Show did a spoof about, basically, he was Peter Gabriel from Genesis. And it was a spoof on that. And then, at the end of every series, actual Peter Gabriel would turn up and kill him. <laughs> and the first series, they basically recreated a bit from the last ever Sylvester McCoy episode of Doctor Who. Got that in a heartbeat. Knew that one. Third series, they recreated the end of The Longer Friday. Again, you know, I was <laughs> perfectly on. But yeah, they, um, on the second series, and I was like, I, I know this, but I can't think what it is. And it was the um, the wife getting thrown out of the hospital, falling off the balcony. Yeah, I did like it. And as it progressed, I liked it more and more as it became really, when you saw it from... Sorry, what's the father's name? Uh, Robert Thornton. Robert, yeah. As you really see it from his perspective and like he's figuring out what's going on, but obviously, you know, doesn't want to face it. And then his his wife is pregnant again. She thinks she doesn't want to have another child. It's like they're starting to get quite complicated, you know, mm. and he's still got the devil as a child to deal with, you know. I, yeah, as like- I saw it through his eyes more and more. Now, I wondered, as the only one here who isn't a parent, mm-hmm. I've always wondered if that is a, an element of why it works, possibly more for people with kids, is mm. like there must be times when you've not slept enough and the kid is uh-huh. just driving and you're just like, is this kid you can think and, yeah. evil? Yeah, like, mm-hmm. can you, like you say, could you, could you almost be but tricked would, into would us, becoming that? I think that's noise. interesting, right? right but... You know, um, I haven't seen it, but Lord of the Flies, where the children yeah. are in oh, charge. Like, yeah. isn't it that um, essentially humans can easily descend into evil behaviour and it is the systems and it's the elders that are continuing to keep things, um, yeah, you know, um, working well and all of us being the best we can be. But, you know, so it's, it's so well, easy to tip. The, the elders keeping things running so that they ain't got any beef. Is probably mm. near rather than you know, we're not. Well, I don't think we're being the best we can possibly be, but I think that's a whole oh, other, yeah, yeah, but, a whole other but, philosophy. But the, but I, the I aim know what you mean, is, yeah. is that we're trying to keep everyone lifted up to being fairly positive, whereas left to your own devices, no laws, you know, no one checking on you, it probably does become a lot easier to descend into terror. Yeah, I think that's the thing that interests me with like um, apoc- apocalyptic stuff and fiction mm. and things like that. Is and maybe it just speaks to the fact that I'm not the jolliest of people. That I quite like those films where it's like, yeah, that's what people would do. They're all cunts. 
<laughs> you know, they, they would eat they would eat babies and fuck each other over. That's what they do because people are essentially scum. Um, and I think, yeah, but equally, Lee, I'll be honest, and I hope I hope Claire doesn't mind me saying this, but that bit where he is the the where Damien is pinging balls up and down the pool table. Like the oh, and she table. clearly wants to throttle him. Yeah. And then and then he comes in, in Damien, Daddy, 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 and he's being all cute. And I think, yeah, that's that's happened a few few times. Is I think I come in and suddenly it's like, oh, look at our child. Was not. Yeah, if I if I have to listen to him for another second, <laughs> yeah. I might scream. So yeah, I think the although weird, for me, I think that is. Something that because I I haven't watched it since being a parent. Now that mm. I'm a parent, two things. One, I do feel that I'm glad it doesn't kill the child at the end. On the basis that I mm. think that you know, it's it is almost like the thing. No, you know, if if he is the Antichrist, kill him when he's old enough to know, yeah, or whatever like that. But you know, I just. So, but also the trouble is, is now I find Damien so fucking cute. I've gone gone well soft. And I think there is a bit, when he waves at the Rottweiler, I think that is adorable. But (laughs) equally, I just think, oh no, he's a fucking nightmare child from most of it. But there are just bits where I'm like, I I felt sorry for him when the animals were running away. And he didn't even seem to love. I was like, look, if you know when you when you go to a zoo or a safari, you know if you see animals acting like that. Can can I just say though, everyone's down on baboons, right? Mm. Baboons were gonna fuck him up. Yeah, yeah, You know, fucking pussy, fucking ass, <laughs> the fuckers. They just. Do you, do you know what they did to make the animals all act like that? Well. Do you want? Do you want the story? Were, were any animals harmed in the making of this? No, no. But I'm, I'm gonna get. I'll get into it because there is a curse of the open. Mm, right? yes. But yeah, to get the effect, basically they went to the they went to the zoo or the safari park, and one of the trainers there came up with the thing of, well, if we take one of, basically they didn't feed the baboons. For the, mm. They didn't get their dinner the night before, so they were already arsy. And then they took a baby from the group mm. and, put it, and put it in the car. <gasps> and apparently the baboons didn't give a fuck. <laughs> they were just like, yeah, fuck it, you're taking the kid. Dod off, you know, don't care. So the then they, he always brings them back. We yeah. rode about. So then they rethought it, tranked the alpha male, and put him in the car, oh. and they went mm. fucking insane. <laughs> and a, and like Lee Remick, like that's just that's just her panicking. Mm. Oh really? Because because it looked like they were going to just break into the car and rip them to shreds. Oh. Yeah. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I didn't. I couldn't find it, and I didn't get a chance to because there's a very good making of on the box set. I've got. I've got the box set of the trilogy. Mm. There's a very good making of on there, and I'm sure that they said that at 
while they were filming it, the the alpha male started coming round as well. Like so, it was like right. So we've got a car covered in baboons trying to rip us to pieces, and this big bastard's sort of like slowly groggily. What was that? (laughs) Where am I? Who's you? (laughs) Yeah. So and like and I might be misreporting this, but I think it actually I think it grabbed Lee Remick's hair, Mm. like as a reflex thing or something like that. You know, it didn't wake up fully like they got out of there, but again. Yeah, it was like that. Was that is what they did to that? I don't know what they did to the ass. I think they just said, "Boom!" And they ran off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, they're not going to help you, <laughs> bastards. But, but there yeah. is, there is a lot of. And weirdly enough, though, and this is something that I think is very much again maybe a testament to it. I don't know, but like the director Richard Donner. Um, for example, when the bowl of goldfish drops, that was sardines painted orange. <laughs> and his exact words were, well, I'm not killing a goldfish for the sake of a fucking film. Part of me did think that. I was like, oh, it was the 70s. I wonder if they killed those goldfish. <laughs> no. no. But the weird thing is, is it's also because of like with The Exorcist where we went through what a fucking nutcase William Friedkin was. Yeah, this is actually quite the reverse in that Richard Donner was actually. I mean, yeah, there's. I mean, the baboon thing is shaky at best. Yeah, but you know, at least he wasn't like firing off guns or giving people permanent injuries. So, because that, because I mean, that when she falls off the balcony, they basically glued a floor to a wall, and she rolled back towards it, like sort of. Ah. Just standing up, yeah. Because apparently that was again. I think everyone who was on the set was kind of like, "You're not going to do what they did on The Exorcist, are you?" Because <laughs> I, I genuinely, I think it was quite a. I think it was like a, not, not, not a, a secret, but like a sort of open secret within Hollywood that it was like, well, you know, she got a back injury, and like, you know, this happened mm-hmm. and that happened, and basically it was all William Friedkin's fault. Um, <laughs> Her fall from that balcony looks good, I've got to say. I mean, yeah. And do you know, I, I don't think there's anything in this that doesn't hold up. I think that's the thing. As I say, in spite of the fact I'm not a huge fan of it, it's just that in my head, when we sat down to watch it, I was like, oh, she's going to be a chore because I remember it taking, like being slow and taking ages to get going. The, the nanny jumping off the balcony, it's like 13 minutes yeah. in. It does. Yeah. It really goes at it. That's Jack Palance's daughter, by the way. Oh, is it really? Yeah, because I think like Richard Donner had just done a TV show that Jack Palance was in, and he said, "Oh my, I'm filming in England," and he was like, "Oh, my daughter lives in England. You want to give her a job?" <laughs> and so, yeah, that's why that's why she's in it. She's so she's the. It's all for you, Damien. Mm-hmm. Which, incidentally, I've heard former guest Dean say far too often. <laughs> over, over the many years, yes, yeah, he does. It's just he one, says it a lot. Yeah, it's just um, one that we've, we've I'll always listened up for that. We've, we've latched on. <laughs> yeah, it will. It will mean something now. I uh, wonder if it's that domestic element that is the part that drags for you as well, Lee, like you were saying, because obviously there is the thing where it's it's their relationship being yeah. eroded and damaged, mm. 
And essentially, it's like, yeah, but when's, when does he get his eyes pecked out by ravens? <laughs> and I think the problem is as well, because it starts so strong, like mm. before the actual film even starts, that opening sequence where it's just the, the title cards and the backdrop and the music, like it's massive and it's ominous and it's, it's really scary. And then all of a sudden just goes, and now politics. And I'm like, oh, God, no. Um, and as you say, it, it has got that constant ominous feeling. It, 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 is, it is kind of laced through it. it. This film is in no way a dud. I just, and that's why I don't understand what it is about it. I just don't. I mean, it's David Warner. I shouldn't need anything else to keep me entertained. Yeah. I mean, David Warner's fair. I think, actually, that's one of the things that I think is such, because you've got, like um, Gregory Peck and Lee Remick are fucking brilliant. There's yeah. no question of that, and that they're, they're always really fucking good. I mean, Gregory Peck's, you know, an Oscar winner. It's like you know, they mm. they are shit hot at what they do. But the smartest thing for me, anyway, is I feel is they went right. We're going to film it in England, and it's like great. So now you can surround them with hundreds of character actors who can act their fucking ass off. Yeah, and you get like. David Warner and Patrick Troughton and Leo McKern and, you know, uh, Martin Benson and all, all these people in there who are, you know, it's none of them have a starring part. No. You know, nearest equivalent is David Warner, but they are all sort of like, they're just shit off. They're, yeah. It's really, and it's the, again, it's that thing of the gradual build-up of being sold it. Mm. When, especially because, and I think also that's the good thing is, is if you've got someone, someone like Gregory Peck, because I think who is it? They, I did see there were other people that they were, and it was all in a similar, um, similar well, sort well, of vein. The thing is, that's a big get to get a film this big. Generally, I mean, mm. even now, you're going to go for an absolute nobody or someone from within the genre to go mm. for a, a massive name like that to to star in your relatively small budget horror film like getting a Gregory Peck I, I mean how much smaller do we think this film would have been if they hadn't got his name I don't know uh, if it would have been involved so early on we are we're experiencing technical difficulties Lee will mm. be joining us soon and so I'm going to give you the curse of the omen Chris yeah these are and bearing in mind and I, I love him for this Richard Donner like the director s- said you know he was um, he said, "If you made, if you make a comedy film, you'll remember all the the laughs and everything else like that that goes on with it. Mm. But we were making a horror film, so everyone remembers all the calamitous events or the stuff that could be sort of construed in one way." Yeah. Um, so initially, when he was when he was setting out to make the film, they were saying, "Oh." You know, you're making a film about the devil. The devil will not want this to occur, yeah. so there will be problems. Ah, and I believe Lee is back with us. If we've... I drop out again, just keep going without me because no, it's really going to keep. Yeah, that's fine, mate. And we were just we were just saying because it is the curse of the omen. Still yes. living, still coming through to this day. So <laughs> here, here we go with the curse of the omen. Hello, this is Adam recording a, well, a few days after the original recording um, to tell you all about The Curse of the Omen. As it happens, the curse seems to have affected us because our recording equipment failed whilst I was in the middle of telling 
Lee and Chris what the Curse of the Omen entailed. Uh, so uh, here we go with um, Second Time Lucky. So um, yeah, here follows a list of events that contributed to the uh, to the story of the Curse of the Omen. Firstly, Gregory Peck's plane to England for the shoot was struck by lightning. Then, scriptwriter David Seltzer's plane to England was struck by lightning two days later. There was also a chartered flight for cast and crew to fly back from Rome to England, which was oversold. The plane's owners offered the production company to travel everyone for free the next day in return for not taking that flight. Uh, The company obviously took the offer. The original flight went ahead and the plane crashed onto a motorway, killing everyone on board, as well as members of the pilot's family who were in a car on the road that it crashed onto. Um, The uh, special effects designer, John Richardson, uh, who devised the infamous decapitation of David Warner scene, whilst on his next film, was involved in a car crash where his girlfriend was beheaded. Richard Donner's hotel was bombed by the IRA. A restaurant... Oh. There. Sorry, I thought I heard Ted calling me. Um, sorry, where was I? Yeah, so a restaurant where Peck and a producer were planning to dine was also targeted by the IRA. Uh, Richard Donner was uh, hit by a car whilst exiting his own vehicle, trapping him in between his car and the door. Um, members of the crew were in a head-on car crash on the first day of shooting. Producer Harvey Bernard's ho- uh, hotel in Rome was struck by lightning. The stuntmen in the cemetery dog attack sequence were badly injured when the Rottweilers wouldn't stop when instructed by their handlers and bit through protective clothing. And then to finally put the tin lid on it, the zookeeper who helped with the baboon sequence was killed and eaten by a tiger around two weeks after the film wrapped. So, all in all, I think that we probably got away with it quite nicely by just having the recording equipment fail. So, um, yeah, well, thank you for listening and back to the original recording. And, uh, Ted? 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 What are you doing out of bed? Ted. What are you doing? Ted. Gosh. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and and Richard Donner was like, sort of, and like I say, Richard Donner, I just loved was how cool he was because he was just sort of like, look, it's a film, you get a lot of stuff. And I think, again, we said about it on The Exorcist. And it's like, it's a film, lots of shit happens, and, you know, that's what you remember because of the nature of the film. Yeah. But also, the the publicity, the studio publicity department were like, oh, can we, can we report about this and say it's the curse of the omen? And he was like, yeah, of course we can. Yeah. It's, just, <laughs> yeah. it's publicity, you know. <laughs> that is an awful lot, though. That's a lot more than, you know, your usual, it, as you yeah. say, it's, you know. Yeah. Oh, well, so and so's aunt's housekeeper, you know, lost her door keys, and yeah, I think it's that the plane crash one though, because that feels the, that would be in the Fortean times as an odd occurrence anyway. Whereas yeah. like a pilot kills members of his own family crashing onto the road they were driving on. Yeah, 
tiger's pretty fucking. Oh, yeah, fair enough. I suppose getting eaten by a tiger's pretty out there. So, <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. If they'd have gone to Joe Exotic. Well, yeah. You know, this would have, this would have ended far worse with Gregory Peck being, like, <laughs> savaged. So, but, <laughs> but yeah, when, when they were, like, they had in, uh, before um, Gregory Peck took it, they offered it to Charlton Heston, uh, yeah. Roy Scheider, Dick Van Dyke, and William Holden. So again, right. they were going. They were going for that sort of big name, but also like very could could pull you know pull the audience in or sort of you know do the emotional side of it. I've got to say, I liked Gregory Peck in this. He was incredible in this. Mm. Absolutely amazing. Because because I think it's one of those ones where it is a bit of a weird premise to try and sell. Mm. You know because. If if you don't manage to do that, essentially you've either got, oh, what? So he just murders his kid, or you know, or he's a bit of a knob, you know. Yeah. Fucking hell, he didn't he didn't get that much evidence. Whereas I think you know, I think he he manages to sell that so well. But and again, this is I mean, this is not really curse of the omen, but this is, but um, Gregory Peck actually accepted the role because. Um, I think a year before his own son had committed suicide. Oh wow! And it was—I think it was like in an attempt to sort of exorcise that because he basically, and understandably, he just felt guilty because it was like I should have been there for him. Yeah. At this point, you know, he's my son, and I, I should have been there for him. And I think that definitely plays into that. I mean, like that, and brilliantly done is just the bit where when he finds out that his wife died hmm. and he's just sitting mm-hmm. in laying on the bed yeah, and he doesn't move and Dave Warner comes in and they're just talking normally and then he tells him he just drops it out of nowhere mm-hmm. yeah. yeah incidentally and this is this is definitely I will credit this one to Claire fully um Oh, sorry, no. Uh, Claire Dello's your name, is that not Claire? <laughs> Fully, don't um, no. Um, yeah. When Claire said, I can't take David Warner seriously in this because he's dressed like every child in a government information film. <laughs> so he looks like he's gone to retrieve his Frisbee from a electrical pylon. He looks like he's playing cowboys and Indians on a farm and falling into a silage heap. It's... <laughs> Yeah, it is very unfortunate. As, you know, I've said that before, and possibly that's part of my problem with this, is it is very 70s, and I just hated the 70s in the UK. <laughs> like, it just all looked horrible. His haircut, that horrible yellow neckerchief thing he's got on, the yeah, flowers. That, that feels... Although I tell you what as well, because obviously I've been, you know, David Warner, fortunately, still with us, and, <laughs> you know... Um... Certainly, of the cast of this, I think he's one of the one of the few sort of remaining ones because obviously a lot of the cast were older anyway. Yeah. Um, but also, just how much he looks like fucking Reese Evans. Yes, he does. This. He <laughs> really does. You know, he's sort of. And um, but I mean, obviously, we we've encountered Mr. Warner before on um, uh, when we did in the Mouth of Madness, and yeah, uh, but he's all he's. I mean, he's fucking great. And again, it's that whole companion thing of selling the whole thing, isn't it? So, I think Lee might have thrown it. Does. Yep. He I wants think, to let it go. He I think this is the uh, 
He's, he's looking more blurry. Yeah. Um, I think the anger might be kicking in. I think it probably is, yes. Allow the hate to flow through you. You want to, um, yeah, just carry on. But, I mean, I think that... Um... But after he get after the decapitation sequence, mm. um, what's his name? Um, David Warner apparently did take the head home, and like the uh, the fake, his yeah. fake decapitated head, he took that home, um, mm. and he reckons he reckons he lost it in the divorce settlement to his ex wife. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but yeah, I think it's a lovely story if it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm quite I'm quite sort of pleased with this is that little um the little boy who plays Damien Harvey Stevens, um apparently he was a little git on set. Really? And I feel that I feel that's quite appropriate, you know. Yeah. You know. But um he got the part because Richard How, how old was he? He was five, I believe. Mm, he was like okay. five or that's, six, you know. So he, he it's was gotta be you know, there's not many five year olds that would been fantastic on set, I don't imagine. No, I don't think so. And I think that he, um, I think more to the point, I think he would be, uh, he's, <laughs> yeah, I think that he is a, um, I think they get, they really get the best out of him. Mm, yeah. um, but, but by the sounds of it, him and Richard Donner just had such a brilliant, relationship because basically mm. he he got the part because richard donner was like he any of the kids who were auditioning he was getting them in and saying right come and uh just attack me because he was like saying it was like the baboon sequence mm. and he was saying right so yeah just attack me and um it, apparently like harvey stevens like went for him uh, clawed at his face, kicked mm-hmm. him in the bollocks, and that was basically how he got the part because he was <laughs> <laughs> the nastiest little bastard that they found. Um, yeah. But he was he was blonde, so they dyed his hair black to make him a bit more um, sinister looking, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, they had, like I say, they had a really good sort of relationship, and the bit at the end was actually reverse psychology. Mm-hmm. So when Damien turns around, Richard Donner wanted him to smile. Yeah. But he kept, but he kept saying to him, don't smile. Yeah. Look mean. Don't smile. Look at me. Look mean. Look angry. Don't smile. Don't. And then he breaks into his smile. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And again, I think that was. Yeah. I mean, Richard Donner, we, got, we should talk about uh, anyway, because. Um, Obviously, he well, I don't know if it's obvious, but he did uh, Superman one and two, mm. the Goonies, Scrooged, uh, all four Lethal Weapons, mm. Lady Hulk, uh, Conspiracy Theory, the toy. He did, he, you know, he's done a lot of stuff and a lot of varied stuff. And he's not, and I think that's probably what helps this is that he is an action. You know, he does, he can do action directing. Mm. Um, I mean, let's face it, if you're doing like fucking Lethal Weapon or Superman, your your head's in the effect and the action sort of. Yeah. So I think that's why he pulls off so well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've just made myself laugh there. Um, 
And actually, I mean, music-wise, Jerry Goldsmith, like the music on this, I mean, obviously it's so fucking atmospheric and so good. Here's the best thing, though, and this is possible. Can I count this as part of the Curse of the Omen? I don't know. But basically, Jerry Goldsmith was sick of going to the Oscars and not winning. Mm. So he decided, he was nominated for this, and he was like, oh, I won't bother. And it's the one time he won an Oscar (laughs) when he didn't bother showing up. (laughs) And and actually, the theme tune was nominated for Best Song. It didn't. It didn't win, but it was like a vocal arrangement, so it was. It was, you know, in there, and literally, it's the only horror film that's had a song. Okay. And like, was nominated. Sorry, it's the only horror film that has been nominated for an Oscar for best song, and also the only, um, the only song in Latin that's been nominated for best song. Mm. Um, which is absolute trivia, but it's there. Um, I was, I mean, that's one thing I will say is usually when I used to watch The Omen, I would watch the trilogy. Yeah. And I didn't really feel the need this time around because I think I got everything I wanted. Because even though, and this is a name to to say, Chris, grown-up Damien in uh, part three is Mm. Sam. Oh. Yeah, and he he is fucking good. Obviously, yeah. it's Sam Neil, so he's obviously. So, good. And you think all three work well together? Then they do work well. I mean, you've got so obviously you've got this one. Then you've got Damien Omen Two, which is Damien as a teenager when he is he's been adopted by Robert's by Robert Thorne's mm. brother. Okay, and but it's him basically being told because obviously you've got the cult in this, who are sort of guiding yeah. him and slotting in around him and everything else like that. Um, and, yeah, the cult are telling him or making him aware that he is the Antichrist. And at first he rejects mm. it, and then by the end um, he's kind of into it. And then he is and then he is an ambassador, I think, in by the third film. He, it's him as an adult. He has inherited Thorn Industries because basically mm. it's the same thing of you basically rip through the rest of the family so you're in the inheritance <laughs> position. Um, and um, they also they did do a fourth film called The Awakening, which was like a TV movie. That was... Well, shit. Um, <laughs> can't really say much more than that. That was, that was basic, basically... This couple adopt a, they adopt a daughter, and then all the way through it, you're like sort of like, oh god, she's so she's the, the new antichrist. It's going to be her and everything else like that. And then the mother of the couple falls pregnant, and then it turns out that actually, the girl isn't the antichrist. She's the protector of the antichrist, who is her twin brother, who was kept on ice, and oh, then. God. And then inseminated into the mother in, in exchange for the real baby, so it kind of has that bit in it again. And it, <laughs> <laughs> it has that feel. Which is, like I say, it was a made-for-TV movie. Um, they also remade it in 2006, and I didn't know about this, but in 2016 there was actually a TV series called Damien. Oh, where, oh yeah. which apparently only lasted one series, but they used clips from 
from the omen to illustrate his childhood. So it was because that that was the thing that I couldn't fathom. Is when I was looking at cast lists, and it's like David Warner and uh, no, that was it. Patrick Troughton's in Damien the TV series in two thousand six. He died in fucking nine eight seven. So, but uh, yeah, so they used them for sort of flashbacks and things like that. So that's Mm. that was seen as a continuation. It was meant to be that. Damien was a war photographer, and again, it's he didn't know that he was the Antichrist, and he's being informed that he is yeah. the Antichrist. And then, because and this I found really weird is I didn't realize this, but David Seltzer wrote the script, but also wrote the novel at the same time. Oh, okay, which is because I was because I had to look it up because I was like, I know there is a novel of it, but I don't know if it's based on the novel. Yeah. You know, if it's an adaptation or whatever, but actually they were kind of in sort of they happened sim- at the same time. They were con- uh, congruent with each other. Yeah. And but apparently the book gives you a lot more detail on like the backstory of the cult because there are certain things. I mean, that's something that Claire found was that the cult stuff is quite implicit in there. Hmm. Uh, again, because Richard Donner was like, well, I don't want to have like hoods and goat ceremonies and stuff like that. You know, I want to sort of make it more a believable conspiracy if, it, if, yeah. if, if there is a conspiracy going well, on. Just reminded me, though, that skeleton, the animal skeleton in the grave, mm-hmm. is that, like, what was that for? That is, no, that is actually who Damien's mother is. Right, okay. Uh, because apparently this is something to do with they think it might be something to do with there's an expression son of a jackal as an insult. Mm. But actually looking into it, that might actually just be a mistranslation of son of a bitch, basically. Yeah, okay. Seriously, you know, because it's son of a dog, you know. Yeah. But yeah, this is the thing, is that apparently, yeah, so um, the jackal gives birth to Damien and they kill the thong's real child. Yeah. And actually, in, in the book, apparently, that is Father Brennan, uh, like Patrick Troughton's character, is the one who does that. Because that's, oh. that's the interesting thing as well, is because obviously, because he's got like the 666 on him, mm. but apparently that appears on him when he was involved with the cult. And then basically, he gets riddled with cancer and is mm. trying to make amends hmm. but I suppose it's that interesting thing is, is I suppose you would get to the point where it's like unlike the majority of people in a religious uh, position you have kind of got proof that the devil exists hmm. and ergo you've got proof that God exists hmm. so maybe that would be enough to turn you where it's like actually shit I'm dying Maybe I've got to try and make up for this, and it's like, yeah, but you, you know, you you helped arrange the Antichrist. I don't think it's going to be that simple, mate. No, I think you've got to do an awful lot of work to turn that around. Yeah. after that one really. But I mean, in the in the book, they sort of apparently they go into a lot of his backstory and also the backstory of the the priest who is there, who is also obviously part of the cult. You know, the child is dead. Yes. The child is dead. The child is dead. Hello, Joe. The child is dead. <laughs> oh, the big one, baby. 
the change. <laughs> That's all I can think of. It's a hello, Joe moment for me now, when <laughs> someone's hearing a voice repeated from the past. But um, so there's a lot. But I mean, obviously, you've got there's the whole sort of because the poem, as they say in it, is is actually made up for the film. That's not mm. the Book of Revelation. Mm. Um, but apparently, lots of people now kind of attribute it to it and everything else like that. But I remember, I think that was, that's the thing as well, is I got heavily into a lot of apocalyptic theory hmm. or like stuff like, because <coughs> there's the thing about, in the book of Revelation, one of the things that is the sort of the beginning of the end was, um, they mentioned, what is it? The third angel sounded his trumpet and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. And do you know what the Ukrainian word for Wormwood is? Chernobyl. Mm. Ah. And it's like, so something with the power of a star brought to earth and it poisons the waters and the earth. Yeah. And again, this was, a, and there was, there was also an erroneous thing that was going around because obviously the the whole thing with the six 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 in scripture, it's um, uh, causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless they has unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it's the number of a man, and the number is 666. And there was an erroneous thing going around that, you know, barcodes are sort of divided into... I remember and, this, yeah. Yeah, and the main markers were supposedly sixes. And obviously, you cannot buy and sell without the mark. Yeah. Um, without barcodes. But apparently, that's absolute horseshit. So, <laughs> but, again, but again, you know, it was all stuff that was it was quite quite interesting at the time, if you if you're stoned and got fuck all better to worry about. So, you know, <laughs> turn that one round. Um, but, and, and obviously six is opposition to God, is in opposition to God because seven is God's number. Um, and six, because it's only, uh, it's just a shortfall. So it's imperfect. Uh, I am going to have to quote uh, Bedazzled here where it's, uh, mm. A heavenly number is seven, seven days of creation, seven seals, seven se seven brides for seven brothers. <laughs> and, and and equally the seven daggers of Megiddo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's... So I, I think that was another thing that had got me, you know, really got me into the film because I think it was a lot of that scripture stuff. And I love the bits where David Warner's going through, you know, and it's the eternal sea that could be... They say that's the world of politics. Yeah. And, mm. You know, and he's just, everyone's just shit on it. And I love, I love Leo McKern. Leo McKern's not even credited in the film. Leo McKern? He, he Rumpole of the Bailey. You know, he turns oh, up yes, right at the yes. end as um, Bugenhagen, which, yes. uh, interestingly enough, is also a name that I've heard was in the one of Garth Marenghi's films. I think it was oh, like yeah. the War, War of the Wasps or whatever. And there's a character called Bugenhagen. <laughs> and I am convinced now it's because of the omen. Um, but he's just great, again, in that sort of tiny role. 
Mm. And yeah, actually, that's that's something because obviously he's in because um, he's in um, uh, bugger it. Obviously, he's Rumpel and Bailey, um, but he's also in X the Unknown, which was like Hammer's follow up to the Quake Mass experiment. That's right. He's yeah, fucking great in that. But also, he's in Help, like the Beatles film. Uh, he's Moriarty in the Adventure of Sherlock Holmes, smarter brother. Um, but I really think people that a genuinely, genuinely great film is the day the Earth caught fire, and he mm. plays a journalist in it. And it's basically the world heats up, and they don't have any idea what's going on. And it's just so well done, despite mm. the fact it sounds like it's going to be dull, and it's not because it's not. It's you know, there's not. It's not like. It's not like a sort of Mad Max apocalypse or anything else like that. It's basically just the world. Everyone realizes they're probably on their way out because the world is just getting hotter and hotter as the days mm. go on. <coughs> but it's so good. It's, it just is so gripping. It's just a very, yeah, really fucking, really worth a, uh, really worth checking out. Cool. Obviously, and obviously, I'm going to have to say. What, why did they not listen to Patrick Troughton? He is the second doctor. He knows what he's, he knows his shit. Oh, I didn't but, know he was a doctor. Oh, yeah. He's, um, he, was the, he was the second one. He was after William Hartnell. And he is fucking brilliant. Yeah, Claire's one of Claire's favourites. He's definitely one of my favourites. And we're also quite fortunate because um, one of his ideas when he got the part is because he was worried about being typecast. Is he, he did think about blacking up. And so, fortunately, no one agreed with him on that one because otherwise they'd be like, "Yeah, you can't watch any of this." No, no. <laughs> yeah, three three years of Doctor Who's gone missing, but we're not looking for it actually <laughs> for some reason. But obviously, like he's in Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, Jason the Ar- Argonauts, Box of Delights. Yeah, um, and um, but he does the rounds in Hammer as well because he's in the Gorgon, he's in Scars of Dracula. Phantom of the Opera, Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. We'll have to do the Gorgon at some point, because, again, that was like, you know, when we were like, we haven't done a Headless Horseman. We've definitely not done a Gorgon. No, definitely not. But, and and actually, and this is something that I think is probably the one, there's one factor in this film that I think does, I think the producers may have been right. Hmm. But basically, Billy Whitelaw's character, Mrs. Baylock, is the most sinister fucking person to ever appear on screen. (laughs) And the fact that, and as Claire pointed out, you've already had a very intense Irishman priest turn up at your office, possibly blackmailing you, (laughs) or at least acting like a loony, and then another Irish person turns up, (laughs) acting so fucking sinister, and you realise that neither of you booked her. Yeah. And even though they go running, when she then says, oh yeah, the agency sent me, oh, that'll be it. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I was like, but who's paying this woman then? Like, yeah. at, at no point did anybody say, we've never actually paid this woman who's, who lives here and looks after our child. Nobody seems to have put two and two together. It's worrying. And he's bringing strange, aggressive-looking dogs into the yeah, house. Yeah, that's the other thing. When he says, you know, <laughs> that dog has got to be gone by the morning. Yeah. Goes, All right. Walks it into the room with the child. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. well, just, you remember, tomorrow. I'd be like, no, put it in the garden until tomorrow. Don't let it in with your kid. 
this is the thing though this is again there's like this film is kind of what's responsible for Joe. Rot- Rottweiler's bad press in mm. a way. I mean okay I mean also during the 90s they basically ate one in five children yes that was an annoying <laughs> thing but yeah but Rottweiler's and like them seen as demon dogs or devil dogs or whatever like that distinctly comes from this yeah, I think you know because that dog apparently that dog will sop his fucking arseholes though, <laughs> and you can see it in his little eyes when he's when but, they're trying to do the staring. It's like, is he going to do it intensely? Is he going to be like the dog in the thing? And it's like, mm. no, he's just looking at you like, I love you. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but I love you. Yeah, have <laughs> some food, please. <laughs> the scene where they get attacked by several dogs was. Pretty impressive, I'd say, for it being real dogs attacking yeah. real people. But but then, as I say, those dogs they they weren't for some reason. Those dogs went fucking ape shit that day. Bit through protective clothing and oh. would oh, not I missed be... that earlier. Oh yeah, no, that was one of the mm. curse. That was one oh, of the right. Curse, yeah. It was like the yeah the stump that basically the stump men got mm. basically got savaged. Okay. Because they, um, the trainers like were calling the dogs off, and the dogs just did not mm-hmm. fucking listen. Mm-hmm. So again, mm-hmm. don't know what the don't know what the don't know what the dealio was there. Mm-hmm. But apparently, in the script, uh, Mrs. Painlock is meant to be like a really sort of mumsy, uh, avuncular sort of woman who would then suddenly to basically, I'm I, in my head, I'm picturing Miriam Margulies. Yeah. <laughs> or, or sort of Brenda Fricker, as you know, or, um, uh, Pam Ferris, or something like that, you know. So, yeah. like, and um, yeah, and basically, the producers were like saying originally, I don't know the way she's playing it, <laughs> you know, might upend your thing about it being a series of coincidences. But apparently, Richard Donner just thought she was so fucking good because mm, at yeah. one point they were going to cut the character, and she was, he was like, No, I think she, yeah, like, she is iconic, what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah, and she is. I mean, Billy Whitelaw's a fucking great actress, anyway. But mm. she is particularly disturbing. It stays with you. Yeah, because it's it's weird because obviously she's the nearest you get to an actual villain. Yeah, within mm. it, because I mean, you only find out that the priest, the priest at the start, Martin mm. Benson, you only find out he's a villain in passing later on. And again, he's another one where it's like, oh, he nearly died, so he goes back to trying to find God mm. because of what's happened. To which it, all of it seems like a, a 1970s plan with the master in Doctor Who. Yeah. Where it'd be like, aha, Doctor, I've brought these aliens to Earth. Yeah, but don't you realise that those aliens are going to kill you as well? Oh, fuck, yeah. Oh, I'll help you get rid of them then. And just, yeah. All of you stupid bastards, if you just hadn't raped a jackal and made it give birth to the Antichrist and killed the, the Senator's kid and you know, you could have all just happily gone off. Yeah. Just could have been running it. Yeah, could have been doing jumble sales and I don't know, like you know, whisk drives or whatever <laughs> people do, I don't know. But um but yeah, Billy Whitelaw obviously her last film role was um Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Uh, she's yeah. the um uh, the hotel uh, owner. Yeah, she's in fantastic in it as well. Yeah, she was also and also the craze the, the film with um, uh, the Kemp brothers. 
Hmm. She played hmm. Violet Cry in that, and she is fucking incredibly good. It's like she she's the star of the film, not them. Yeah, frankly, she. Yeah, just, as I remember, that's yeah. yeah. And also, just as a little little side note, Bruce Bower, who is one of Thon's aides, like in the office at the start, and he is a guy who. He's a Canadian who's lived in England, so he plays lots of Americans. But he's the guy ordering the Waldorf salad in Forty Towers, oh. and, he, and he also runs Echo Base at, um, on Hoth. Yeah. Oh, nice! He's General Riakan or Riakan mm-hmm. in um, Empire Strikes Back. But yeah, oh. so, so there's—I mean, there's, there's some top top-notch people involved. Yeah. You know, yeah. can't buy class. <laughs> but apparently you can rent it. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think that uh, overall, I overall I still love the Omen. I still think mm. it's, I still think it's got a great power to it. And I would recommend people. So certainly, I would recommend people watch uh, parts two and three as well. Okay, yeah. If if you if you enjoy if you enjoy the first one because it's. I think that was the thing is that I got from this exactly what I wanted from the Omen. Whereas yeah. usually I'd watch it and it's like, I want to watch the rest of the story. And I didn't feel the need this time because I think, weirdly enough, I think it's a far creepier ending when a little boy <laughs> smiles. Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck, we're doomed, aren't we? Yeah. Because so, <laughs> the novel, they did, they've done novels subsequent to all of the. Like with with the three films, but they also did two more, hmm. which haven't been filmed. Um, but basically, continuing the story of Damien's son. So at this point, he's the devil's grandson. Um, but that actually, I think it's like the the fifth book actually takes place midway through because the Antichrist is meant to bring about the oh, what is it called? It's the, not the turmoil. It's uh, the tribulation, which is the seven years of turmoil and abject horror, yeah. leading up to the second coming, and yeah, the fifth book kind of takes place during that. Mm. So basically, the Middle East has been wiped out in a nuclear battle mm. and shit like that. So it'd be it's it'd be interesting to see, but I don't know. I I don't suppose now they'd even fucking bother. No, like, I think to, to do long. the remainder of them, I just don't no. think. Yeah, no, no, because that's the thing. I think it's been too long now that you couldn't watch them. So the others came out in a fairly true to time, like the way he would age. Yeah. But if you then leave it thirty-five years and then bring out the next one, it's a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Not supposed yeah. to have been that long. Yeah, but I still think. I mean, I think, like I say, I one thing I love with it. Is having discovered quite how much the church hate it, <laughs> that that immediately just put it on a par that it was like, oh, they must be doing something right then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, one final thing I did just want to bring up very quickly before we call it a night. Um, did anyone else notice in the room that they referred to as his day room, where it, where you see him running around throwing the pool balls about? Did yeah. anyone else see that giant painting of two very depressed people in clown outfits? with a depressed clown dog. And this painting was like a story. Go back, go back to the bit when he's throwing the ball, the pool balls about, and look at the painting on the wall next to him. It is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's so sinister. 
go and check it out. It's wrong, just so wrong. I remember that that was one thing I was going to say is I remember just before we wrap up, I think, and I don't know why it is, but the thing that always got me when I watched this, well, the first time I ever watched this, and I don't know why, but the bit that creeped me out more than anything was uh, Father Brennan's room. Yeah. Where he's plastered the Bible over the the entire interior. And it's like the crucifixes all over the walls and everything else like that. I think he was trying to keep something out. (laughs) And immediately that was like, that that made my 11-year-old arsehole drop out, I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so, so, so even for me, even as someone who would say I didn't necessarily enjoy watching it, I would still recommend it to others because it should work, and I know it works for so many other people. So it's clearly just mm. a problem I've got. So I would still make this a recommend. Um, good to know, sir. Um, so as uh, you may have noticed, I, I'm obviously going to have to do a lot of editing to try and put this together, but the curse of the omen has struck us during this. Our recording yes. equipment has failed three times, and I've lost my internet connection four times, and that has never happened in the eight months we've been recording like this. So, uh, what the Can hell? I, well, uh, well, exactly. What the hell? <laughs> but more to the point, I would, I would honestly say at this point, I think we've got off quite lightly. <laughs> no one got eaten by a tiger. Does um... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, wait for it. We've still got a minute left. I was going to say, we haven't got a bed yet. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> I was sitting in the shower and lightning struck the toilet. <laughs> um, so for our last... Uh, so we've had the two specials, but for our last four or five episodes, we've done older films. Um, mm. So I was going to say, Adam, I, if it's all right with you, I've picked one from our list while we've been sitting here chatting because I suddenly realised we hadn't actually done that. Yeah, I was... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad and you I, did. I didn't. <laughs> well, I couldn't get on the internet, so I was like, oh, well, I might as well look at a spreadsheet and see what we've got. Um, <clears throat> so I was thinking for our next episode, as it came up fairly recently in our Welcome to Everyone episode, uh, it was one of Bobby's top choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, Chris, uh, Adam, you might have said you hadn't seen it either or you hadn't seen it for a long time. Uh, Sliver. Sliver, yeah. Yes, I have not seen Sliver. I have seen oh. I've seen the bit where um, Henry Portrait of a serial killer is turned into a giant hemorrhoid and nothing yeah. else. Oh, it's so, oh, so much fun. So, yes, so we will watch that for next week uh, and then we can all report back uh, on that one. Yes, uh, it's off. Yeah, I say it's good, it's fun, it's contemporary, it's fairly short. And I thought, seeing as we've done kind of a lot of 70s stuff recently, mm. if we do something a bit new again to sort of cleanse the palate. Yeah. Well, it's all, it's all about the variety. Absolutely, absolutely. Horror right. is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> and I've sat on it. <laughs> right. Thanks ever so much for listening, everybody. Uh, go and check out The Omen if you haven't. Go and check out Sliver, ready for next week. Go and check listen. out Not For Everyone. Check if out The Baby Yes. Um, and we will see you all next week. Good night. Good night. Bye.